Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Granite Cornerstone episode number 12, where we will be discussing technology in the lodge. Joining me this evening, we have the Right Worshipful District Deputy Grand Master of the 2nd Masonic District, Right Worshipful Brother Scott Newberry. Scott, welcome. Hey, Tim. Always and I good think to be more, here. More important uh, for Scott's introduction tonight is his role as secretary of St. Mark's Lodge in Derry. Past secretary. Past secretary. Okay, I didn't know those existed. Yeah, there are a few of us kicking around. Uh, also joining us this evening, we have uh, Right Worshipful Brother Brian Smith, the Right Worshipful District Deputy Grand Lecturer of the Second Masonic District, and actually the past Secretary of Rising Sun Lodge, current Associate Secretary of Rising Sun Lodge. Brian, welcome. Hi there. How are you? So the reason I introduced you both um, as past secretaries is because I think that tonight's episode Regarding technology in the lodge, one of the biggest impacts we can see is going to be at that secretary's desk. And I know, Brian, you've got something uh, that you're going to share with us in a minute, and, and we'll get to that. But I think that the secretary's desk is the hub of a lot of the activity in the lodge and a lot of the places where we can really start looking at adapting and adopting new technologies uh, to where we're at. Does that sound fair? Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I would say I would say. Actually, the secretary is probably one of the more logical places to see tech used. Uh, there's a couple of other officers I could see it, like the master, and I'd also think, also think you'd see it at the historian because there's a lot of records and a lot of documents to keep track of. So I could see both of those also having a huge tech presence, but uh, definitely the secretary's office is the hub of communication. So that's usually where most of that stuff goes. And, uh, you know, as a member of Rising Sun Lodge um, and, and past master while Brian served as my secretary, I know what Brian personally came into when he took over that role. So Brian, when he became secretary, took over for Roger Gaskell, who was secretary of Rising Sun Lodge for over 50 years, I believe. About that. Um, and was certainly not a user of, of technology. So, Brian, I know you've got a little PowerPoint that uh, you kind of want to share. We can kind of talk as we work through it. But I think let's talk about the secretary's desk and let's talk about how to quickly and easily integrate some technology into that role and get some quick wins for your lodge and, and how the secretary plays a, a really important role in that function. Okay, well, let me go in and share my screen here. Okay. And I believe, and Tim, this is a first for us. This is. So uh, Chris is really going to hate this because he's going to have to <laughs> put this on the audio version that goes over to um, our uh, iTunes and Spotify and all of our, our digital platforms for audio only. But, yeah, this is the first time we've had a, a presentation. So Brian is, I think, really put something together that's that's interesting. And we'll kind of talk about this as he goes through it. So, Brian, if you want to take us through it, let's go. Well, I'm a, I'm a PowerPoint ranger. I've got 10,000 hours behind the mouse. And so this is what I used to do a lot for a living. So talk a little bit, uh, secretary in the lodge and technology. So for those of you who have never seen a secretary's desk, because you're actually doing things in the lodge, uh, this is the secretary's desk. Uh, on any given meeting, it's full of communications. Uh, there's money passing back and forth. And what you're seeing is some of the 
the documents that a secretary has to have at a, a moment's notice. So we have a receipt book where we track what's coming in for, for money because then I have to hand it into, give it into the hand of the secretary. I've got a minute book where I keep all of the minutes of the meeting. Um, occasionally during a meeting, there's a question on the bylaws. So you always have to have a set of the bylaws present. By the way, the bylaws you're looking at uh, are from my lodge from 1866, transcribed from an earlier 1822 one. I've got a ledger book. I've got the Grand Lodge Constitution the Grand Lodge manual. You always need short talk bulletins so that, you know, if nobody else has got a program, you can have one. And a uh, secretary used to keep everything he knew on his members, their offices, their addresses, their dues, etc., all on a Rolodex. And that was a great animation of a Rolodex. And so this was the secretary's office. I mean, desk during a meeting. Uh, he would then move to his office after the meeting. And of course, you've got the calculator that does addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Uh, so he can figure out what the dues are going to be. File cabinets full of uh, records for any communications, etc. And then other file cabinets full of trestle boards, back issues of trestle boards that go back 50, 60, 100, 120 years. Then we even have more uh, file cabinets, and these have all of the records. From my lodge, we have the petitions and investigating reports of every member of the lodge going back to the beginning. And in my lodge, that's 1822. And I just pulled one up. It's a little folder. This is my petition. So that's kind of interesting. And then, of course, there's the safe. The safe is where you put your most valuable uh, objects. The safe is not to keep people from stealing things. It's to keep people, uh, keep the things that you put in it from burning. That's there. That's what they were there for. And we took all of that stuff, and I'll let this animation run for a little bit. But we take all this stuff in these days, we place it all in a laptop. And we do all of our work these days for a modern lodge uh, electronically. Uh, one of the important things that this allows is you can have uh, real-time access to anything you need as far as all of that paperwork. And you can additionally store copies of this electronically off-site so that if a disaster happens in your lodge, uh, you can uh, keep your records safe from inundation and conflagration. Uh, a prime example of why this is important, and I hate to bring up a, a sorry subject, but Morrison Lodge, uh, two odd years ago, uh, burned to the ground. And now they're still trying to recover from what they had. Other things that we taught about, and this was the secretary setting it up in our lodge, is that 2020 created new opportunities to do stranger things. We uh, had meetings via Zoom. Now, ritualistically, we uh, opened up with the Zoom meeting offline. We did our ritualistic opening. Once we were ready for business, uh, we turned uh, the Zoom uh, system on. 
we had a great business meeting. We had, had would have non-ritual programs. And then once we went into closing, we would terminate the Zoom meeting and uh, do our closing. So the, you can actually do this as long as it's not ritualistic over the internet. Uh, you can actually have some of your out-of-town members, uh, brethren who haven't possibly been in your lodge in a long time because it's a couple of hundred miles to drive, actually show up at your meeting. Um, in doing that, we can actually put video up uh, of them. And then they, so in our lodge, we mounted remote cameras so that we could focus on the master and the wardens. And on a projection screen, we could see the remote members. So that kind of made it interesting, new technology. Uh, the other thing that the uh, secretaries and lodges get a chance to update these days is their members list. And now we do it through a program called Grandview. Uh, that's uh, purchased by Grand Lodge. And a secretary can look up his number of candidates, if someone's made an inquiry, uh, how many entered apprentices, fellow crafts, or, or members he has. And he can also look up pertinent information on his members. Uh, so he can always know when he's going to have a 25-year member, when he's going to have a 50-year member, when they'll be qualified uh, to... Uh, be considered for those awards, what offices they've held. So it kind of makes it more flexible other than going through those Rolodexes. So that's kind of the end of the slideshow, but it's just to show how we have started to uh, put uh, the Lodge's business into an electronic form. And when all is said and done, it all fits on a thumb drive. And then I can make a copy of this thumb drive and I can store it at somebody else's house or I store it in a lodge building and bring a copy home so that we're protected from losing uh, valuable information. Well, thanks, Brian. That's actually, uh, that was interesting to see. And, and obviously I've been able to see that live since, you know, most of that were, were records from my lodge. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, really stood out to me that I kind of want to talk about is Grandview. I know that there's a, a huge push from the Grand Lodge, obviously, to get every member uh, signed up into Grandview and active on the platform. But our adoption is is somewhere below 20% right now, right, Scott? Does that sound about right? You're uh, can't hear yeah, you. Yeah, I, I had someone going by with, with the windows open, so I didn't want to have all the trucks and stuff come on. But uh, it's the number's pretty low. Um, I don't, I don't have the exact figure in front of me. So, but, uh, yeah, I'd say it's 20% probably around the right ballpark. So now were you, you were both secretaries, uh, during the adoption of Grandview. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I was yeah. actually, yeah, I was part of the group that actually was testing it before it went live to all the lodges. Yeah, so there, there was a database even prior to Grandview and there was a database even prior to that. Yeah. Oh, but, but we but won't mention those. The first one we can play with. Okay. So, you know, let's kind of talk about Grandview a little bit because most lodge, most lodges are using it for, you know, obviously keeping track of their members, keeping track of their pipeline. But what else can Grandview do? What are the what are the things that we as members may not be aware of that may incentivize us to sign up? Because 
I'm a member of, I'm obviously signed up in Grandview and I'd love to get the communications, but you know, for those people who haven't done it yet, what's the incentive to go out there and sign up for Grandview? So I, I know one of the big things is, is that the, should the secretary want to take advantage of it? I know several lodges are posting their lodge meeting minutes up into Grandview. So they'll be available there for you to download. There's also a fair amount of education now, at least in our jurisdiction, because uh, each jurisdiction has their own instance of Grandview. It's not one big thing for all of us to utilize. Uh, I know that there's a fair amount of educational materials now being added to Grandview. Uh, things like winter meetings coming up. There's announcements there for the different officers coming out. Uh, we use it a lot from the Grand Lodge office for announcements. Uh, typically, meetings uh, and events that are coming up can be added to it, almost like a, you know, a separate calendar, uh, you know, an events calendar kind of thing. Uh, and I hear that there's actually a uh, social media type aspect in there where you can post stuff and follow other Masons in the in the uh, jurisdiction as well. But I don't know if anybody's actually utilizing that piece or not. I did not know that was an option. Yeah, it was in there. I'm not sure if it still is, but I noticed I came across it. One of my water through the uh, system because, you know, the, the thing about Grandview is, is there's so much that it takes a while to find it all. That is true. I've, I, I've had access to Grandview and when I was master, I had access to a little bit more information than I do today. And it's hard to find some of that stuff in there. I mean, there's, there's a lot in there. Brian, what are your thoughts on Grandview? One of the things that uh, Grandview provides to the individual brother, and I think this is important, uh, an individual brother can go in and update his uh, record uh, by himself. He doesn't need a secretary to do it. If if he uh, changes email addresses, he can update that email address as fast as he changes it. If he changes phone numbers, wants to add a phone number, if he changes his physical address, let's say, uh, and, and heaven forbid this would ever happen, we have snowbirds who go down to um, the southern states to stay warm in the wintertime, they can update their mailing address to indicate that they're down south and then when they get back north they can change it back up north so there's a lot of interplay that the individual brother can do uh, with his portion of the database and he can do pretty much anything with his record uh, but it will not take effect until it's reviewed and actually um, and actually instantiated. So if he messes the whole thing up, it won't necessarily mess up. Uh, and he and uh, when it's reviewed, someone will say, well, no, you have to have an address, uh, but he can change it himself. And so there's a nice check and balance between me going in and accidentally deleting my uh, first name and uh, the Grand Lodge secretary saying, no, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, you know, I I was personally uh, very guilty of moving um, a lot or and then not informing the secretary. There have been numerous occasions when when Brian has had to reach out to me to get my correct address. And now I can kind of take care of all of that myself uh, in Grandview, which I do like doing, you know, making sure my, my data is in there. And one of the things I like about it is the spouse information that you can put in Grandview. So you can put your spouse's name and their birth date information in there. And while the birth date may not be all that important, if your spouse isn't somebody who's around, 
um, at Masonic events and, you know, not everybody is familiar with them. If something were to happen, it, it gives you that option to, to reach out and the name is in there. And, and that's one of the most important things we do is look after our widows and orphans. And it, it allows you to put that in, in there and, and put their confirmation contact info in just in case you need to get in touch with them for, you know, some reason. I, uh, you know, brother uh, Kirkpatrick uh, in the chat says Grandview is a great tool. There should be more push during monthly uh, meetings, including the references. And I agree. I think that's become a, a very, so Rising Sun uh, in particular, over the course of the last few months, um, Larry Gullett, who is our current secretary, has been putting in all those meeting minutes. And we have not read meeting minutes in Open Lodge in, in a number of years, uh, despite the fact that Brian has gone to so much effort to make them great and, and Larry does the same. But now those meeting minutes are not just on the secretary's desk. They are accessible to every single member of the lodge within Grandview. And that's a huge change. And I think that, you know, when Larry does that, he does bring it up and say that you can go to Grandview. And we have largely as a lodge started adopting Grandview as the primary way we communicate with our members. So if you're not signed up in Grandview, if you haven't provided us your email, you're not going to get important communications, uh, as timely as you would like. You have to wait for a trestle board or you have to, you know, look at, you know, the Facebook page or something like that. So Grandview has become a very important tool for, for rising sun. I know to use uh, in their system and you're absolutely right. Uh, Brother lad, it is a great tool and, and every tool has to be used well. And I think that's one of the bigger problems we see today is that there's definitely some, some features we'd like to see and we definitely need to see people uh, getting into the system more. Well, and, and I think one of the things that it that comes up from that point that you just made about like the meeting minutes, your lodge now doesn't read the meeting minutes. The expectation is that brothers have looked at the meeting minutes prior to it so they could bring up any concerns that they might have uh, or an inaccuracy. But therein kind of lies that rub of who doesn't have Grandview because now we're looking at, and I know it's something that we, we plan on talking about at length at some point, is it's the channel now. Because the meeting minutes aren't read at the meeting and that because there's not a printed copy of the meeting minutes at the meeting, the expectation is you've done the homework and gone out and de- done it. Well, maybe I don't have Grandview. I haven't logged in yet. I haven't created an account yet. Yeah. So those are the, that's part of the electronic rub, so to speak. With everything going electronic, you have to be careful that the channels you have are actually accessible to the members. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. I think so. We sent out an agenda for tonight's meeting. And it's a Google Doc, which I had to send to Scott twice because his, his the account I used didn't have access to it. But Brian uh, printed out a copy of the agenda for this evening. And if you see me darting my head over to the sides because I'm reviewing that agenda as we're going through the items. But you're right. It, it, not everybody is, is using the platform the same way. Not everybody is able to. Be, I mean, obviously, some of our older members may not have access to computers or, or smartphones that are capable. And we still need to make sure those records are accessible. So I know Scott, you're probably going to play devil's advocate a couple of times tonight, <laughs> but at the end of the day, technology is, is something that we have to adopt absolutely to continue on the path we're on, but it is something that we need to understand is not accessible, uh, easily accessible for everyone. 
One thing I bring, bring up on that, and you, and you talked about it, uh, but uh, it's been the secretary's practice, even though the posting of the uh, of the minutes is into Grandview these days, there is always, at least in my lodge, and I know that our current secretary, Larry, does this, there is a printed copy on the secretary's desk so that everybody is, read, is allowed to read it who's in the meeting, which if you think about it is the only people who would hear it anyways. Uh, so it's always available. That's that old style technology coming up uh, and revisiting. So it's online for those people who are not physically present, uh, but always available during the meeting where it's read. And, and you may not read it, it, but it's there. Well, yeah, but, but, and that's one of the things that has to be looked at is that when you look at the technology, it changes from, you know, the generational changes for, for electronic stuff is much shorter than the generational change of secretaries. Um, yes. So it, it's something that has to be looked at. And, and Tim, you and I talked about this earlier. You've got a situation where the technology for one secretary could be absolutely obsolete, you know, two generations down. Uh, we talked about the secretary that was the stall, one of the stalwarts of my lodge for years. Uh, all, he hand wrote all of his meeting minutes and took them home, typed them up, printed the uh, document at that point and put it in a binder. The problem is the electronic version was done in Microsoft Works, which is yes. the version of so which is a piece of software that's no longer supported. And if you actually try and open up Microsoft in Microsoft Word, it doesn't play nice if it'll open it at all. So, I mean, those are one of the things you have to take a look at when you choose the technology. What's it going to be like, you know, five years from now? Are you still going to be able to get into the material 10 years from now? Uh, I'm a firm believer, and I realize that it's, it throws back, and I'm sure Brian can appreciate it. Uh, I'm per, I prefer, if I'm storing something electronically, uh, plain text or markdown, because everything on the planet will read that, that stuff. Uh, and that's been around for decades. So, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that's the way to go with your records, but it's, you know, it's something to take into account when you start to do stuff. Is it still going to be accessible? Is the tool still going to be there? Are you still going to be able to look at it? You know, PDFs, another good example. PDFs have been around for a while. If you put something in a PDF format, chances are you'll have, be able to have a reader open it up and look at it. But, you know, there's our, there are plenty of tools out there. You can't open the, the uh, WordStar comes to mind. Uh -huh. Well, <laughs> Lotus, Lotus an Notes. Interesting, an interesting technology requirement that's been imposed on some of the, specifically on Microsoft, uh, and it's been that way for a couple of years now. Uh, multiple states uh, talked to Microsoft and said that they were going to drop the Microsoft products, specifically Word, because Microsoft stored their information in a proprietary, only Microsoft knew how to decode it manner. And the states and the federal government said, our data is forever. And people 150, 200, 300 years from now have to be able to read that data. And so if you're going to shift to a proprietary uh, data structure, we're going to stop uh, subscribing. And, and thus the, the company would lose uh, billions of dollars if you think about it. And so right now, if you take a look at the basic structure of Word, it's an XML document and is universally readable. And uh, the format is published so that, you know, 
100 years from now, you could go back and recreate how to read the document. I and, did not know that. Uh, it's Yeah, it's one of those weird things that, uh, you know, oh, lots yeah. of people with lots of money can push forward. Backwards compatibility is definitely becoming more the norm than it was before. But the other thing you have to take a look at, too, is, is that it's not just the backwards compatibility of the software. It's the backwards compatibility of the, of the secretaries. <laughs> uh, you know, let's face it. How many? How, it, it doesn't. It's not just in the lodge. How many times have we gone to a company, work with a company where they have a preferred set of tools? It's not what you want to use, and you know you really don't want to. So maybe you don't do as much as you're supposed to use with it. You know, you kind of work a, your way around the tool because you want to use what you want and what you're comfortable with. And it's something we have to take a look at, even you know, from the lodge secretary. Someone might decide, you know, for taking notes, they want to use pen and paper. Someone else might want to use. Microsoft Word, there's Google Docs, you know, there's plenty of uh, off-the-shelf note-taking tools that are out there that someone might want to use. It's important to understand what that's going to do to the Lodge going forward. Yeah, I mean, well, so that's another part of my question based, you know, from your presentation, Brian. We saw a ton of paper records in those, those file cabinets. Mm -hmm. I've been in that office. I've seen those You've pulled a 1918 petition out for me to show a friend whose great grandfather grandfather petitioned Rising Sun at the beginning of the 20th century. Those records don't exist in a digital format. Well, they do. <laughs> Just not in that format. Well, what do you mean? So, and, and Grand Lodge does this. This is one of the things that I have to give Grand Lodge credit for. So Grand Lodge actually has a copy uh, going back to when they started keeping records of everybody's uh, members, membership data, when they were initiated, passed, and raised, uh, their names, where they were born. They started off on little uh, five by seven, green five by seven cards in little card files. When Grand Lodge started uh, a database, and it was called Q&A, is an interesting thing. It's it's now obsolete, and yet we I still support it for them on occasions. Uh, they actually hired people to come in and transcribe all of those little green cards into a Q&A record, so that their ultimate uh, process was to have every Mason that has ever joined in the state uh, since inception to have a record in the database. And the more modern databases uh, uh, allow for that. It used to be a little stressing because there were, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of records and that was hurting the older computers. Now, you know, you could do that on, uh, you know, one page of your cell phone. But they're yeah. trying to keep everybody's record. So uh, the individual lodges can, can and some actually do uh, back annotate. Interesting. So just it, because it wasn't done before doesn't mean I can't do it now. Yeah, and, and I, I remember the transition between database systems because it created some rather interesting <laughs> records on the other side, because what a lot of people didn't realize is that, you know, and this is a problem with databases in general. You have, when you go from one style to another, the transition means you have to look at every record. And in some cases at Grand Lodge, at least with Q and A, because of the way the system was set up, some of us had multiple records in the system because mm -hmm. it created one for each lodge we belong to. 
Oh, which yeah. was it? Which made it interesting. Now, now you don't have that problem because Gram, you can actually associate you with multiple lodges. The older databases couldn't do that, so there were multiple records for for a member, which was really a fun and exciting time as you're going through and say, "Why do I see myself twice in the database now?" And uh, there, I had a fair number of phone calls with the Grand Lodge office, helping sort that out and figuring out what to do and how to combine records so that it was proper for us as we move forward. But it's a it's a it's a common problem. You know, you, you've got to look at how things transition, how things move. Uh, I mean, I, I outside of the fraternity, I worked in a company, and I kid you not, we went from desktop Microsoft products to Google products. So we went up into the cloud, and then we went back to Microsoft products, but with the Microsoft 365 spin on them. So it's, you know, that's not a trivial transition each time you do it because a lot of documents suddenly don't work right, especially spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah spreadsheets are spreadsheets are the bane of my existence in a professional world. <laughs> and, and you're right. I mean, the formats between Google Sheets and, and Excel are certainly compatible, but the functionality is not always there. You can build something in one and, and have a problem. Yeah, let me know how that pivot table comes out in Google Sheets. Right, exactly. <laughs> But we're not going to get into that because that, that'll be a whole rant of its own. Um, so, Brian, I see behind you a, a familiar site, which is your laptop. Yep. So this was one of the things that came up when we were sort of discussing this to begin with is obviously digitizing your lodge practices requires equipment. You showed us, I mean, thankfully – Rising Sun has been fortunate in that you have all those gadgets and gizmos, you know, to set us up for uh, Zoom meetings and things like that. You and I went up to the Grand Lodge and, and kind of streamed the Grand Lodge meeting up to the, the third floor there with those tools. But when you get down to it, right, you're using your personal laptop to create lodge records. I believe Larry is currently doing the same. How many lodges you know, this is obviously not a question you can answer, but how many lodges own laptops for their secretaries? I would suspect very few, if any. Yeah. And I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah, it's, so, it's, yeah, I would say it's probably one of the things that is most difficult because a lot of lodges, you know, don't think about that type of infrastructure when they're looking at what are they going to spend their money on. Yeah. And you also have to realize, and this this is one that, you know, being, we're all Yankees, or at least most of us are Yankees, this is one of those heart-wrenching things, is you're going to be replacing that laptop about every five years. Yeah. And, you know, historically within the fraternity, you're replacing secretaries less than you're replacing technology. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, Brian, you just transitioned out of your role as, as a secretary to the associate secretary. And Larry's using a different machine to, to take his minutes on. And now we're looking at uh, uh, formats that you, you have all those documents from your time on your laptop. Larry's got all of his on his. And that data, if, if you were not good stewards of that data, can be lost. Yep. We lose a member. We lose the equipment. And we lose access to all those records if they're not properly backed up somewhere. So what do, what do you think is the best practice for lodges and technology when it comes to something like a laptop for the secretary? Uh, to be honest, it probably makes sense from a purely logistical point of view to have a lodge by uh, a member 
the secretary a laptop. It does not have to be uh, a very, very powerful one. So we're probably talking in, the, of course, this is 2021. So we're probably talking in the $400 range. Now, the laptop over there <clears throat> is not in that range. Yeah, no, it is not. <laughs> but if you if you think about, and, and, uh, and Scott has already talked about uh, things like Word, et cetera, Word or the equivalent Apple, Apple product is ubiquitous and can be run uh, on any relatively decent computer. Uh, so a, a three to four hundred dollar uh, computer like what the kids use in school would be an appropriate thing to do. Uh, and then what you do and what uh, Larry and I have done is when I turned everything over to Larry, I uh, packed everything off that, again, I, I lift up these things. I put everything on this and gave it to him. Now, there's, a, there's one of these in the safe so that we can't, you know, we won't lose everything. And then he adds to it. And ultimately, it'll go on to uh, uh, some kind of uh, electro-optical uh, medium like a, a DVD. Now I say that, uh, and people say, "Well, store it in the cloud." I don't trust the cloud as far as I could throw either of you. Um, but I wouldn't put it on a hard drive. A hard hard drive is good for ten years. Um, tape backup is good for, depending on the quality of the tape, anywhere from five to ten years. Um, a um, uh, flash drive is uh, is not forever. They don't know. It, I want to say it's about the 15-year mark, but it has a write limit to it. You can only write to it so many times before uh, it stops working completely. Uh, so you have to continuously be knowing what you're backing things up to. And the electro-optical ones, like a DVD or a CD, will probably remain viable because uh, it's a physical uh, encoded media, i.e. I burn holes in a layer of material and that's what's encoding the ones and zeros as opposed to uh, dealing with storage of poorly inconvenienced electrons trying to hide in a hole. Uh, and to a certain point, I, I agree with you on a lot of those points, Brian. Uh, the CD one, DVD one, I'm on the fence about because so many machines now are coming without those. Mm -hmm. So now you don't have that. If you know, here, here's the DVD with all the stuff, all the records. And well, my machine doesn't have a DVD player. So it's, it, those are the types of things you have to watch out for. Um, I'm not totally opposed to the cloud, depending on the, the cir circumstances and the situation. Uh, but a good example from my perspective, and actually the, the, price point is lower for the equipment is if your lodge is using Google as their repository. Because I ran, when I was last secretary, I inherited the secretary's office and they had converted the secretary's office to Google Docs. So I was actually able to run in the entire thing. I sold my own machine, but I ran it off a Chromebook, which is less than mm -hmm. 200 bucks. And at the time, our master actually decided to start using Google Docs to create his agenda. For the meeting so he'd actually take his agenda share it to me as a secretary and now i could have his agenda up on one side of my screen and my meeting minutes on the other side 
And we actually had an active chat going at the same time. So I could point out and add things as we were going and he could pick up on it. Made for a much more efficient use of the time usually. Or say usually, because uh, it depends on how much typing you're doing. It, it there's an there's there's a limitation though, and and I, and I'll bring this up. Um, there's a company up in Manchester nobody ever hears about called Dyn, mm -hmm. and yep. Dyn is the uh, the router for most of the East Coast on the uh, the. <clears throat> I hate using this term this way, but on the internet, but on the uh, on the network of data routing dyne is one of the primary east coast uh providers and it went down uh, i want to say about a year ago when it was down for a day and everybody who relied on internet ac uh, accessibility to perform their work uh took a day off oh because, yeah I, I i'm not saying it's it's yeah. not flawless i mean that's one of the reasons yeah. why you know google gives you the option to take things offline you can actually store a lot of your documents offline which works really well yes. uh, for, if you're really concerned about it and you're using non-cloud products something like dropbox works real well because you can then store everything locally and they've got a copy of it in the dropbox account you know, you're not limited to one machine in one account, you know, if to the uh, to the account, you could have it actually being synchronized with multiple machines, mm -hmm. which also makes transferring the data from a, from one secretary to another fairly simplistic. Log into the account, set up the folder, and you know, it'll pull all the files down and you're all synced up and you're ready to go. And it really works out nice as far as then you get into things like the security and privacy. The secretary, whoever the actual secretary is, the one who should have the login credentials. And now he can say, I could say as the new secretary, Brian, you no longer need access to it. I'm going to go ahead and revoke your access. Yep. And at that point, I can't force the deletion off your machine, but you won't be getting any more new, you won't get any new mm -hmm. record. Yep. You'll have all the records that you already still had knowledge of. So. And, and, and the point I make is when, when, when the network works, it works really, really well. And when it's not present and it doesn't work at all. And somebody just did drop something, and I fully agree with it. Uh, uh, encryption while on the cloud is uh, because there's personal data in oh, yeah, the information the secretaries have. So encryption uh, is is an important topic also. But uh, the grand the uh, grand lecturer is uh, work on Google Docs, uh, developing all the thing all of the things that we were doing for the. Uh, for the new ritual uh, award. And so it was really nice to be able to, to play in the same spreadsheet at the same time. So right, I, I both like the interactivity of uh, network connected devices, but I'm also gun shy. All right, so I, I just wanna circle back to something that's in the in the chats. Uh, Edward Stazer, if I, if I said that correctly. Stalzer, I think. Stalzer, yeah. Uh, he said, think about laptops instead of, uh, tablets instead of laptops. I would agree to a point. The problem is, is that tablets, unless you have an external keyboard for it, it's not conducive to the secretary taking notes. It's just, unfortunately, it's not quick enough handwriting it. Uh, I realize that Microsoft OneNote does a fairly decent job at converting from handwritten to types uh, on the screen, but it's just not the same as uh, typing stuff up on a keyboard. Yeah, and I think your point about Chromebooks, Scott, is is pretty relevant there. If you, if you choose Google Docs, which is, a free platform as opposed to Office 365, which I think is the only way to get Office nowadays. Um, a Chromebook is the perfect tool for it. And that's 
what they're using in schools all over the place now. Um, I have a Surface laptop uh, tablet that has a keyboard and it works great, but that Surface is also absurdly expensive because it's a Microsoft product. But Chromebooks you can get for a couple hundred bucks and, and be relatively okay. And that does kind of shrink that technology acquisition cost, which is nice. Oh, yeah. And, and at that price, you could afford to you know replace it every three or four or five years, depending on where, how often. I've got a Chromebook that, you know, it's not in the best of shape, but uh, it still works perfectly fine. And it's now pushing six years old, I think it is. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's, it, a lot of it depends on the technology. The nice thing is, is that something like that, if the Lodge owns it, or if, even if it's a laptop, like Brian suggested, if the Lodge owns it, it goes from secretary to secretary. It's no mm -hmm. longer an individual, yep. and all the records are there in place if you're not using cloud solution. Yeah. Well, and, so, and, oh, no, go ahead, Brian. And for truth in advertising, we're, we're talking a lot about Microsoft products and Microsoft compatible computers. But, yes, for those Linux fans out there, the same tools are available. And for those Apple fans, if you want to pay the money, the tools are available also. So oh, yeah. it's... My it's not this, not everything revolves around, uh, around Seattle. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, I, I think, and Tim, Tim knows this, uh, my primary driver, the machine I'm on right now is a Linux box and oh, yeah. I don't, I don't run any Microsoft products on it at all. Well, now I, Linux runs under windows, so that's okay. And I think that's fine, but I will say that it's dangerous from a lodge perspective you know, Scott should not be running a Linux machine at the secretary's desk without the ability to make sure that, you know, we're, we're using a, a universal format because you two are particularly good examples of the use of technology in the lodge. But I think you're also bad examples of the average level of, of technical expertise of, of members in the lodge, which yeah. means that, you know, as we get a little more arcane with our technology, it makes it a little more difficult for that next person to come along. And that's, and that's why, you know, like when we were talking about formats and stuff, that's why I brought up something like, you know, plain text. Yeah. Any, any device out there can pretty much read that. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm a Linux user, but the office suite I use LibreOffice actually stores things in a format that Microsoft can actually read. Yeah. So when, I can send the I file. Earlier, when, uh, when, when the, when the state and federal government told uh, Microsoft, you've got to make things compatible, that's what allowed LibreOffice and a bunch of those others to now become viable. The format is what counts, not necessarily the platform it runs yep. on. So one of the things that, you know, I've been thinking about as we talk about this is, yes, the secretary's desk is where a lot of this technology in the lodge lives. But at the same time, you know, looking at lodges across the state, across the country, across the world, there may not be members of those lodges who are quite as tech savvy, who may not steward that data quite as safely or securely as, as the two of you may be inclined to do based on your professions. So what is, in your opinions, obviously as members of Grand Lodge, um, Grand Lodge officers, what what do you think the burden is on, on a Grand Lodge system to make sure their lodges are prepared for the use of technology and making sure it's protected safely? Because I think at the end of the day, an individual lodge needs to have a technology platform that works because that's the way we're going to progress. But at the same time, an individual lodge may not have the resources or the knowledge to implement something like that. So does Grand Lodge today 
have something that it fits that or well, i'll jump more, in on that yeah go ahead yeah uh, so Brand Lodge has a training program and they have a training program for secretaries they also have a training program for treasurers uh and by the way both can use grandview because the treasurer can actually do most of his 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 recovery of dues uh through through grandview now so they actually have uh training on how to take minutes what types of minutes what you do with your records uh not to the not necessarily to the degree you're contemplating right now but at least sure. an introduction to it and i want to say right now the vast majority of secretaries if not all of them uh are computer literate it's actually one of the requirements to be grand secretary in the grand lodge is that you're uh, familiar with the Microsoft products. And I use that again as those are ubiquitous. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't use that word. <laughs> but I do think you're, you you touched on something that's important. And the fact is, is it not, it's not just a Grand Lodge item. It's a Lodge item as well. Uh, and the fact that, you know, the grand secretary has at least here in new hampshire has certain requirements put on as far as a technological uh, ability set uh you need to start seeing the same things i think at the at the level mm -hmm. you know i i hate to discourage any brother from sitting in the chair because they don't feel they have a skill set i don't want them to anybody because we've all been through the chairs we all know that you learn all kinds of skills along the way there's th stuff that you didn't realize you know as you went when you started your journey that when you finished the journey as far as being a lodge officer goes it's very different uh, but I do think that one of the challenges we have moving forward is technology is going to take a larger and larger seat at the table when it comes to the running of the lodge from the business aspects of it, the meeting minutes, the dues, the records, the archives, all that kind of stuff. It's going to become more prevalent. So I don't think it's it's would be unfair of a lodge to say, if you don't have these skill sets, please don't stand for secretary. You know, if you'd or like treasure. to learn. Or tre well, treasure to a less extent, but definitely for for uh, for secretaries. But again, a lot of it's going to depend on the lodge culture. If the lodge culture says we want to stick with pen and paper, that's what we're comfortable with. That's what we want to do. We want to maintain that. And there are lodges out there that you know discourage the use of any electronics in their lodge room during a meeting. You know, you've got to take that into account as well. If everybody's going to do paper, then everybody's going to do paper. I don't think you'll see the grand lodge of any jurisdiction tell a lodge that's actually functioning doing well has membership is active to say sorry you're done because you don't have electronics uh i, I just can't see that you know eventually it's things are going to shift i'm sure but uh you the last thing you want to do is force it down anybody's uh decision making process Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the in in right worshipful brother Dave Ackridge asked asked this question in the, in the chat for non tech secretaries. Are there going to be some simple recommendations that they can adopt and execute, like cheap laptops, recommended apps, and the training of the same? And I think that you know that's kind of the the point I was getting to is Grand Lodge gives these introductions and and they give the a level of training that you know I, again I've not participated in it. You both have. That probably meets the minimum level of, of training required to, to get through this process. But, you know, Brother Edward Stalzer makes the same point. Grand Lodge in the future may need to develop a process and policy for these things. Because one of the things that concerns me is, yes, we're choosing platforms uh, that 
work that we know are adopted across other jurisdictions and, and we have the ability to chat with these jurisdictions, but are the people who are making these decisions, these purchasing decisions or these digitalization decisions, the people who have the necessary expertise and, and knowledge to make sure we're choosing the right platforms, that we're choosing secure platforms, that we're choosing platforms that, you know, we have control over as opposed to a third party that may have access to that stuff. Well, I think it, you start to get into some very touchy waters. Um, when you look at how things were done prior to technology hitting the secretary's desk, and you know, I, I will freely admit I joined the fraternity back when that was the standard. It was there yep. was no secretary computer. There was no uh, there wasn't a cell phone to actually carry into the lodge room when I joined. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, pager yes, uh, cell phone no. But uh, when you take a look at that time period, no one told the secretaries how they should do their job. Yep. These are the records you need to keep. But how you went about collecting the data and how you stored it was pretty much how each secretary felt that was best suited for their lodge. Frequently, there was a lot of conversation between secretaries to share, hey, this works for me, maybe it'll work for you kind of thing. But, you know, there are a lot of lodges out there that, you know, you mentioned, you know, the past secretary for Rising Sun. I know plenty of secretaries that sat in a secretary's chair for 20, 30 years. That's knowledge you're never going to get back. Oh, absolutely. Because, because that knowledge, you know, there, and Brian, I'm sure you could freely admit to it. Sitting as secretary, even if you take the most copious notes, track everything you do, put it all down for the next guy to come in, there's still institutional knowledge and membership knowledge in your head that you just don't realize is there until until someone asks for it. Uh, I had I had a good example. A good example for myself was we had a brother uh, uh, lives outside the jurisdiction. Uh, has a physical disability and a mental disability that prevented him from actively pursuing masonry where he was living. But his family is the one that actually had to send in his request for his dues remittance because he was unable to work because of his disabilities. The first time that came in after I left the secretary's office, I had to stand in lodge and explain who the brother was because no one else recognized the name. You know, it's those types of things you see you know, I'd bring it up, this brother, here's the situation. Unless you were at that one meeting where I brought it up the last two years to get his dues remitted, you wouldn't know who he was. But I corresponded with his, you know, with his family several times over the year to see how <laughs> he was doing and stuff. So it's the same type of thing with the technology now. Is it fair to say this is the only way we're going to do our technology? You know, you will buy this particular laptop. You'll use this particular set of software. You'll use, you know, that's where we started to get into, into some of these discussions because what might be right at the Grand Lodge level may not be a good fit for the particular Lodge level and vice versa. That's you know? fair. And, and I think when it comes to evaluating the software, and I'm sure Brian will agree with me, uh, I realize it's really painful and really difficult to do. But whoever's making the decisions needs to look at the terms uh, of use. They need to understand what the privacy rules are for that particular company and what's the track record of that company. You know, I, yeah. I, I work with uh, folks in the programming world that I live in, and we discount several vendors and several things because it's not because we don't have good product that it doesn't work well. The problem is, is that in order for the product to work, they have to store a copy of our information on their servers. Yep. And that breaks our, our requirements as far as security and privacy goes. So it's unfortunate because it, it 
hurts us because we have to work around because that might be the best tool for the job, but because it doesn't fit the requirements with security and privacy, we can't use it. And it's it is it's a big concern for records and archives of Grand Lodges and, and lodges in general. You know, you put something up in the cloud, you put something on a storage you know, offsite storage. You've got to trust where you're putting it. Yeah. Well, on, on the other side of that, and this is one of the things I'll bring up, is uh, our secretaries, the color of hair that our secretaries are having is becoming more like Tim's and less like mine and uh in essence anybody bearing a few exceptions coming out of high school these days uh or in their 20s uh technology is what they live and breathe and so where i agree with you i would not require anybody to buy this part and there's a number of reasons for that one of them being because i get a kickback uh, and that's not supposed to happen, but they're going to be in the future. They're going to be doing it this way. If they do it the same, I'd be surprised, but everything is going electronic. In 20 years, you'll look back on this conversation and go, yeah, why were they having that discussion? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we are definitely last year really kicked off technology in a big way with zoom, obviously. Um, but that has led to this conversation now happening because we've started to integrate technology in a lot of lodges. We've talked about it on this podcast before about using Zoom in your lodge meetings. The Grand Lodge has certainly adopted technology. You know, uh, most worshipful brother Clay was was doing his Q and A's on this platform. Excuse me. Um, and most worshipful brother Collins for his installation and in, in that Grand Lodge session, we had you know, a stream set up for the fourth floor of the third floor so that we could absolutely meet these requirements. And I think it's really interesting to see how quickly the pandemic, if nothing else, has sort of changed the trajectory of Freemasonry uh, very quickly towards technology. And I, I think, you know, Brother Stalzer's point about the policies and procedures and processes moving forward, I think that's going to become a no-brainer as, you know, those people transition into positions, people with technology experience transition into more Grand Lodge offices and Lodge offices, which is very, very interesting. Um, and the Most Worshipful Grand Master just commented, uh, nice to see you all engaging brethren. I, I think rather than Grand Lodge dictating, Lodge secretaries need to get together with the Grand Secretary to come up with a recommendation of technology. And I think that's that's a great place to start. And I think that having those conversations at a grand lodge level and, and not standardizing completely across platforms, but making sure um, that we're at least talking the same language is important. Oh yeah. I, I think it's, it is important. That it's a conversation. You know, let's, let's face it. None of these decisions can really be made in a vacuum. So, I yep. mean, and you have to take into account the, the, the ability of each lodge to adopt what's being decided on. So then it goes back to the brother of the lodges. And I think that's one of the bigger challenges that we still have yet to mount is, is that you still have a lot of lodges where the brethren are older and they don't necessarily have the same technological skill set that some of the younger lodges do. You know, it's, it, you, it's, you know, it's becoming more prevalent. Like Brian said, you know, the hair color is changing. You know, some actually still have hair on their heads, uh, you know, but the average age of a lot of our lodges in this jurisdiction is starting to go down. 
you know, and you like, you know, we, we've in the last, I'll say the last 24 months, you know, pre even going back to pre COVID, we've had, we had several brothers who were under the age of 30. In fact, some of the age of 20 that were coming into the fraternity, you know, and technology is not a big deal for them. It's just part of what they do. So it's going to get easier as we move forward. The trick is making the choices that everybody can agree upon and work to get all the jobs done that need to get done. There's been yeah. a couple of questions. Uh, we probably should uh, start something sure. uh, uh, that came up other than where technology is going. And some of them are near and dear to my heart. So there were a couple of questions on digital payments, you know, uh, PayPal and how do you pay your dues and everything else. And that's becoming more and more interesting uh, as we progress into, into technology. Yeah, I, listen, I'm going to be, I'll come out and say it. I was somebody, and Brian can attest to this, who had a real hard time paying my dues on time because I could not find a checkbook to save my life. And making it available through PayPal, I was one of the first people to pay my dues over PayPal in my life. Yes, you were. <laughs> I tested the platform for Brian because as soon as it becomes available, it's real easy for me. And making those digital payments available has enabled so much more for our lodge. We accept donations through it. So you can donate to um, different fundraising drives that we have going on. You can pay your dues. I think something that Ancient York has done recently, they just had their 150th and they sold their tickets electronically uh, yes, through their is. website. Yep. So we're moving, Brian, I think that, you know, you want to talk about that a little bit. Digital payments, I think are really one of the, the future Futures of Freemasonry, Brother Stalzer just mentioned Venmo, which is my preferred uh, payment method because it doesn't take a 3% fee right off the top. But but let's talk about that. How do you, how do you think uh, we can integrate digital payments into the Lodge experience? So, and that's, I, I believe that they're getting ready to set up uh, that in uh, for, in Grandview. Yeah, that's what Brother Retsky said was uh, yeah. Grandview. And I know in some of the lodges, our lodge in particular, but not exclusively, uh, we've we've got a what is it, Foursquare, the little thing. Just, just square, square, square. Yep. Just, just square. Okay, so I'm not up on the current tech uh, buzzwords, but uh, so you, we can we can now swipe a credit card. We we do PayPal. What our lodge does is. We take the three percent and we tack it on. So if you pay electronically, uh, we charge you for the extra fee so that we can we can fit our our budget as opposed to uh, as opposed to uh, PayPal's budget. And we also have a tendency then to round up to the nearest dollar because who wants to pay cents? I haven't used uh, Venmo yet, but I hear a lot about it. I, I like Venmo. Yeah. Oh, most to be honest with you, most people don't realize this. Venmo is actually owned by PayPal. It is, but they don't take money off of it, and I can use it on my cell phone real easy. Yeah, um, I had a I had to reset my Venmo account because it was denying my charges, and I had a crisis because I couldn't pay anyone. Um, oh, so right, worship brother Ackard says they're going to start accepting PayPal and swiping credit cards for book tables at LOIs. That square that we started using uh, in Rising Sun has made my life easier because I bought a ticket for our fishing trip using the square, having a credit card access uh, in the lodge, being able to swipe without having to, to deal with all that going online is also a huge part of it. Brother Brian Ellis just asked a really interesting question. And 
you know, one of the things we've seen recently, and you know, this might be a touchy subject, so I just, but vaccine passports have become a thing and you can get apps that show you whether you're vaccinated or not. And he asked, do you think our dues cards will become digital? And I think that we're getting into an era where, you know, having a digital identification card on your cell phone is something that we're seeing. It's rolling out in a lot of countries and it's rolling out in a lot of places. And we're seeing it now, especially obviously due to the pandemic. But I think that's something that that's an interesting question. So what do you guys think about that? Do you think that, do you think that's a step too far? Nope. I, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one because on the one hand, I can totally see us moving that direction. The concern I have is it's going to have to be a slow roll. Otherwise you're going to leave brothers behind who can't do it. You know, we have bro- we have brothers right now that don't carry smartphones. And if, yep. so I have, I still need to have a dues card in order to be able to get into, into lodge. Uh, it also is going to put the, a lot more challenge on the tilers because now when someone wants to validate a dues card, you've got to be validating on a system that you have, that everybody has access to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, you know, but, yeah. but I look at it. So <clears throat> I'm going to brag here for a second and state that I'm a member of Disney Vacation Club. Woo! And I just got back from Disney, so that's cool. Uh, And I have an annual pass for Disney. So we're talking a penny or so. And my, my, I get get a 15, 20% discount when I buy things at Disney, uh, if I'm a member of Disney Vacation Club. But I have a physical card, but you know, wallets get thick, so I'm not gonna carry that around to use for the once a year I go down there. Uh, But it shows up on the cell phone and I just pick it up and flash it and they look at it and they can scan that and, uh, and it works. Right. So there's see us moving. I would, and this is going to sound a little strange. I would encourage a twofold section. We always send out a paper dues card and we also public it only inconveniences electrons to do it electronically. So I well, would do it electronically also. So the challenge with it, you know, like you just what you explained there, Brian, works really good because the app is handled by Disney and you're accessing it from a Disney system. But if you walk up to my lodge as Tyler, I have to be able to validate your dues card. So if you're traveling in and you're visiting us from let's say you know, out west, you know, Washington, Oregon, California, unless we're all using the same system, I can't validate the card. So I have to go through the same process as I would do anyway, but I don't and, have a well, physical paper. So I don't have well, something with an actual if, signature and I don't have something with a raised seal on it. So uh, Right Worship Brother Ackridge just clued me into something that I actually forgot existed. There is a virtual dues card in Grandview. Um, and it actually has a five-minute expiry QR code that displays your status as of the date you pull that card. It can't be used for admittance at the time. Um, so, you know, it is interesting. But Brother Stalzer, if we use a QR code instead of a barcode, the Tyler can use a smartphone. Yep. And the technology is already there for Grandview. And I think, but to, to Scott's point, if not everybody's using Grandview, that electronic card is worthless if I go to a state or a country isn't using it. Um, so that's, that is an interesting point, but as we become more technologically advanced across 
I think the whole uh, the whole uh, country, especially as Grand Lodges start communicating more often, I think you're definitely going to start seeing some uh, some more similarities, which is interesting. There was a question, by the way, uh, in the in the chat. Uh, somebody wanted to know uh, how we, you know, and this is what the Tyler has to do is to verify uh, your membership. And the news card is a portion of it. And then this will answer the question. We look up uh, whether our, our Grand Lodge recognizes another Grand Lodge in a book that's published that says all of the Grand Lodges that uh, that New Hampshire Grand Lodge recognizes, and the specific question is whether they recognize Ghana. And the and my answer is I don't have that book in front of me, so I can't look it up. Uh, but uh, the way the question was uh, was placed, if they're uh, in amity with the Grand Lodge of England, there's a good probability that it is recognized in New Hampshire. But I can't say for certain because I can't look it in my book. Or there's an app for that. But uh, there's, oh, and, and uh, Most Worshipful Brother Colin says Amity, and I could look that up uh, on, my, uh, on my cell phone. So we could actually do things like that. And yeah, I mean, that is actually in Grandview as well. The, yeah, we're, start, we're, we're starting to get there. I mean, it's one of those things that as we move forward, it, it goes back to the conversation about what tools for the secretaries. You know, we want to make sure that we're all speaking the same language. And if we're not, we have a fallback so we can actually handle what we need to handle and the only reason why i bring up some of the stuff is because i actually have to be a sitting tyler at the moment so being able to validate people when they walk through the door is kind of an important aspect of my job so yep yeah i mean i think that these are great conversations and uh the worship the most worshipful also brought up another point um of risk management if a lodge sets up electronic payment he says that the lodge needs to be sure that they have a cyber insurance policy to protect the lodge because that is not automatic coverage provided um, and something we sh obviously should be looking into. And I think that's the other side of this. When you start talking about um, technology, there's a lot of follow through on the backside that we definitely don't consider. And what are we, what are we able to do? What are we supposed to do if we adopt certain forms of technology and how do we use that? I think is a very interesting sort of uh, conversation as well. Uh, you know, we're running out of time on today's episode, and I, I think we, we covered a lot of topics. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, Tim, I think some of the stuff you just mentioned, you know, I know that we've got several episodes that we're setting up coming up, but maybe it's something that we can go ahead and put into the into the new year as a revisit of this with some of those topics you just touched on. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things we did not discuss today at all um, is social media. And there's a reason for that. I think that it's, you know, sort of the, the elephant in the room when you talk about technology, not in the lodge necessarily, but as a part of lodge practice and, and obviously lodge membership. So we are going to be discussing that next month on our October episode, October 3rd, which is social media and Freemasonry, whether it's in the lodge as a member and sort of how to conduct oneself and, and sort of what the Grand Lodge social media policy states and and sort of how social media fits in because Scott and I are both members of the communications committee here at uh, Grand Lodge in New Hampshire. And social media is definitely something, I mean, this podcast is a form of social media. So it's going to be something we talk about, I think, in, in much greater depth as we as we move on. But 
yeah, I think Scott, like you said, there's a lot of meat here in this conversation. A lot of co things that we haven't considered that may may make their own episodes, and we may revisit this as time goes on. Maybe, One of the maybe, things I maybe you could have someone like you know send an email in with. Uh, well, I was just about to do it. You, you just pull the rug right out from under me, Scott. That's my job. I was going to do it on my own for once. So, uh, brethren, uh, to allude to Scott's point. If you have a question, if there's something especially about this topic or any other topics you want to discuss, you can email us. Our email address is on the screen right now. It's granitecornerstone at nhgrandlodge.org. And I think there's a lot there. I think that, you know, one of the things we didn't get to talk about is email and how email is becoming an effective tool, even though it's, you know, something Lodge has been using for a very long time. There's different ways to do it and, and sort of different pros and cons of those different ways. So, Send us an email if you've got any questions, if you've got any suggestions. We'd love to hear from you. Like I said, our next uh, episode will be Sunday, October 3rd at 7.30, and we'll be discussing social media uh, and Freemasonry, how they interact, and, and you know, in a lot of ways, how they may butt heads. Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to be a really interesting topic, and I think everybody has uh, certainly heard from the current Grandmaster and past Grandmasters on the, the New Hampshire social media policy. And... Uh, We'll, we'll talk about that as well. So uh, Brian, Scott, any, any closing comments? I've got just one little thing that I want to show and it shows the difference in 40 years of technology. So this little thing here, which is the oh, brightest mirror I've ever seen. <laughs> this is 500,000 bytes of information from 1978. This little tiny thing in my hand is, which is not the biggest I have, is a half a trillion bytes. And guess what? With all of the technology we've been talking about, a human being can read neither of these. All right. I can't see my minutes on this. I can't see whatever was on this. Although this is a great shaving mirror. Not that I do that. I thought that's something you hang up so you can see when people walk up behind you at the computer. Absolutely, which is why I took it off the wall. Yep, <laughs> so I technology changes. Yeah, and I have to echo that. I think the big thing to keep in mind with all of this is that you know these are just how we're looking at things and how and our opinions on those things. Every lodge is going to be different. Every brother is going to be different. Every grand lodge is going to be different. But it's important to start having these conversations because technology is not going to go away. If anything, like you said earlier, Tim, it's going to become more prevalent and we're going to see other things. You know, right now we're talking Microsoft and Zoom and Google five years from now, it may be completely different companies we're talking about and different te te different technologies. I'm still waiting yeah. for holograms. Yeah. I, you know, and you said it, Zoom, <laughs> nobody, I, I can guarantee you there's nobody on this call and nobody in the chat who, who knew what Zoom was uh, before March of last year. Because if you did, you'd be a very, very wealthy man. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, you're right. You know, Zoom has become ubiquitous. It is, you know, when I use a search engine, whether it's Google, Bing, Yahoo, whatever it is, I Google something. When I have a, a video call, I, I'm going on a Zoom, whether it's a WebEx or a Teams call. So I think that's, you know, the ubiquity of technology platforms changes every day. Oh, yeah. And uh, this has been a really great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. So uh, Brian, Scott, thank you for joining us today. And, and to the brethren in the audience, 
We really appreciate you joining us. This was a really interactive uh, conversation. And I hope you all enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend and uh, have a good night. See you next month. Good night.